Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, Georgia, it's time for CEO Exclusive, brought to you by Anona Enterprises. Good morning and welcome to CEO Exclusive, where we get emerging trends from CEOs and their most trusted advisors. I'm your host, Soyini Koch. Listen, the shared economy is everywhere. And now we're finding it in places that you just wouldn't expect. And I'm really excited to have on today's show uh, from Nickel Equipment Rental. And I would never have thought that the shared economy would come to construction, but they're here to talk with us about how the shared economy is affecting their industry. So welcome to the to the show, Josh and Tom. Thank you, Sorry. We're, we're happy to be here. So before we get started, tell us about Nickel Equipment Rental, what you do, what your footprint is like, and then share with us how the shared economy is affecting you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we have four locations right now. One of them's new down in LaGrange, uh, but then we cover most of Atlanta with the other three locations in the suburbs of Atlanta. Um, and we rent equipment. So, you know, anything that people need that's expensive and, you know, you need a commercial model of from aerators and tillers all the way up to like skid steer loaders and excavators and stuff like that. Which none of that means anything to me. <laughs> Big toys. Okay. Got got it. For construction. Yeah, construction. absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And so we found you because you're on the Inc. 5000. Yep, yep. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Very and honored. just share with us a little bit about the growth and the and and you know why why you've been achieving that that growth and how the shared economy is is then affecting you. Absolutely. So. Um, you know, we've been achieving the growth through just a lot of really great people on our team. We've had some exceptional people who want to grow, who want new opportunities, who are excited. Um, and so that's what that's what really gets us there. But uh, the construction industry and rental industry in particular has really seen a lot of growth. In a lot of other places in the world, um, rental is even bigger than it is here in the States. And so like in Europe, it's about 80% of all construction equipment is rented. In the United States, we've always been an ownership economy. So, you know, we want to own our house. We want to own our car. We want to own our equipment on a job site. Particularly with the millennials, that's starting to change. You know, more people are comfortable with an Uber. They don't need a car or a zip car. Or more people are are comfortable not owning a beach house. They can just Airbnb it. And so that's really starting to trickle down to rental equipment. Why own an aerator when you can just rent one? Why, why do I need to, as a contractor, invest in this a really expensive mini excavator that I now have to have drivers for to move around and mechanics to fix and, you know, worry about all that kind of stuff when I don't need it every day and my needs change from week to week, from job to job. And, you know, I could just go rent it and it, it saves me a lot of time and money. And then that's what we're really good at. We're really good at the equipment side of it, the rental side of it. And so we focus on that. Mm. And so you've seen your company grow up, spring up through this this uh, rental economy and and shared economy model, how does this change the world of a uh, somebody who who may have been a um, a developer or somebody who's in the construction industry? Is it just simply like I just don't own this thing anymore and I get the debt off my balance sheet? Are there any other significant oper- operational changes that are involved in in the move to the shared economy? Like how is this changing your landscape? It, it makes them more effective. You know, they can pick and choose any job. They don't have to pick and choose jobs that are just uh, focused on the type of equipment they have. You know, there's so many different sizes of excavator and and skid steer loader and and different things that they use. 
And being able to just know they can have access to any kind of fleet that they need is really empowering for them. You know, they can just do what they do best, whether it's plumbing or electrical. You know, they just, they bid their jobs. They go out there and focus on what they're best at and let us handle the, the part that we're best at. Mm. And how does technology enable enable all this? I mean, am I, I'm seeing like, a da- like an Uber dashboard where people can just say, I want to rent an aerator and... It shows them where it is, and you come up. Or how does how does that work? I wish it were that simple. Um, the the uh, rental industry as a whole is pretty backwards technologically, so we actually have to look to other industries and borrow ideas and stuff like that that, that they use. So, for example, something that we've been doing a lot recently because we've got a distributed workforce for our support branch, which is kind of like our corporate office, and we've got the multiple locations. So it's hard to get everybody together uh, very often. And when you so, say distributed workforce, you have people at all these locations with all the equipment doing all these things and they're taking them to your clients and bringing them back, et cetera? To some extent that, but I'm, I'm more talking about like our accounts payable, our accounts receivable, okay. our HR. Um, we employ a lot of stay-at-home parents. So they're not all in the office together. And so how do we create that community and have good conversations when we're not working side by side every day. And so we use GoToMeeting for that, you know, because we don't want to just have a phone call or a conference call. You want to see people, you want to see their picture, you want to create that relationship. And when you can see their facial expressions and, and see them when you're talking to them, it makes a big difference in the value of that meeting and the relationship you have with those people. Hmm. And so technology is an enabling you to provide, to keep your workforce kind of cultured together but you're not necessarily using the technology to provide the rental service to your customers yet. Yeah, it's it's hard to rent equipment online. It's it's you know we have so much uh, so many different things and and it and it changes based on the weather, uh, based on a particular job site, based on their soil, and so it it it's really a consulting that we have to mm. do. Uh, we we've got a lot online where they can get to some information, but they really need to to kind of get us on the phone and us as help them out. You know, if, for example, you know when somebody calls and says, I want to run an aerator or I need a price on an aerator. What do they really want? They want greener grass. You know, so our job is now to help them get that. And there's a lot of tools and things that they can do uh, to get those same results. And, it, and we have to figure that out. And that's really hard to, to do with current technology online. Mm. How is the changes in the construction industry as a whole since, let's say, the recession affected this move to the shared economy? Yeah, you know, there's uh, uh, some big uh, financial reasons that that people would want to not rent. I mean, uh, uh, not buy, but rent. And uh, Dad, you've got a, a good thing on that. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, the um, I, I guess before the again before the recession, like Josh was saying earlier, most people, a lot of the contractors owned equipment, and the, our penetration in industry has been increasing, but still very low. Like in the U.S., it was somewhere between forty and fifty percent, whereas in Europe, like he said, it was like eighty percent. Once the recession hit, and it was so bad, most people decided. It humbled everybody. It humbled a lot of people. And they decided, I'm not going to put that on my balance sheet anymore. I'm not going to take on that kind of debt. Being able to rent the equipment, especially for the contractors, like he, like Josh again said, it gives them the flexibility. You know, if they got a lot of business going on, they can rent a lot of equipment. If they don't have much going on, it's not just sitting there. And as they're learning this and seeing this, they also realize that not only do they not have to have the mechanics for the drivers to move it around, uh, but they're also getting the latest model equipment. So it's actually more efficient for them and so forth. So they're really, really seeing the benefits of rental more so than they did before. But again, the credit and, and credit got tight too. Used to, anybody could go out and get financing to do practically anything. Now, it, with banks, they are really tough on anything construction related. It is hard to get financing. So that's another thing that has driven them to rent. We've been, uh, you know, for whatever 
assessment you have of the quality of the recovery. Technically, we've been in the recovery for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so do you have a thought on on like where we are in the cycle? Because of course your 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 business is going to be a function of of construction and what's happening. And so yep. certainly in the Atlanta area, there's been a big boom. What are your thoughts on what you expect and how you think things are going to change over the next few years? Yeah, you know, we've been riding a wave for a long time, a lot longer than you normally would have a a recovery. And some sort of pullback really needs to come. You know, uh, we're going to fall off that wave and get some bumps and bruises. You know, on our um, our industry uh, analysis and construction, every, you know, all the metrics seem really good. Uh, I think it was the Wall Street Journal that came out yesterday and said that homes are spending less time on the market than they've ever spent. So all the metrics are good, but I would call myself cautiously optimistic because we need some consolidation. We need to pull back just a little bit before we hop back on that wave and ride forward. Mm. And do you think, um, do you expect even more of a punch when that pullback comes comes again, uh, like you got in the last recession? I, I really don't. I think people learned a lot in the last recession. And it was, you know, in our industry, it was really depression. And it was just so hard on construction in Georgia. I think it's unlikely that we would have the, the same impact that quickly again. You know, maybe... 50 years from now or something like that when people haven't learned that lesson. But I, I think it'll be an easier pullback. I think it'll be a little easier on construction. I think it'll be more like a break rather than a, you know, everything's collapsing. Mm-hmm. And um, what are your thoughts on the the rental market or the, the real estate market in Atlanta? Because, I mean, I live, you know, downtown in Grant Park and like, wow, I mean, like, there's construction literally on every block. There is, yeah. So one of the things that we learned in the recession, and I want to preface my answer to your question with this, is we are not in the real estate business. We're not any good at real estate. Uh, We opened our third location in uh, 2008, or I'm sorry, 2007, bought a brand new building, it remodeled it, got extra property that we thought was going to be a great investment. We'd build something on it and rent it or lease it or sell it or something like that. And we bought it in 2007 you know, at the height of the market. We sold it uh, two years later at maybe a quarter of mm. what we bought it for. Ouch. We had to close the store, you know, so we learned, uh, it was a really good learning experience. You know, we're That's not... That's really positive. <laughs> Isn't <laughs> well, that great? It, but we it's all... love learning experiences, don't we? Oh, yes. It, he actually, uh, dad used to tell me a lot during the recession. He was like, you know, this is a good learning experience for you. It's a good learning experience. And eventually I was like, dad, I don't, I don't want any more learning experiences for a little while. Can we take a break? But so we're not in the real estate business. Now we lease property most of the time. We try and get long-term leases. We try and get options to purchase. And we certainly want a first right of refusal. Uh, but we're great at rental. So we focus on that. Let somebody else deal with the real estate. So I want to preface my answer with that. I have no crystal ball when it comes to real estate. But I would say that it seems like the rest of the stuff. I mean, real estate's going pretty quickly. It it seems like Atlanta is growing. There's lots of construction. There's lots of demand. And I think that can continue. But, you know, about that, I would be cautiously optimistic. And I would say for some business owners, if real estate isn't your thing, then, you know, find a professional. You've had some great professionals on your your podcast who've talked about it. Find somebody like that and have them help you with the thing that they're best at. Have them help you with the real estate. Hmm. Great. So, you know, I, I see this um, this macro trend. And do you think that eventually the U.S. will end up with the same absorption of rental as, as Europe? 
I don't know if it'll get quite to that, uh, but I think over time it's going to continue to increase. Uh, the millennials are really helping with that. Um, the, the, you know, the poor economy uh, years back is certainly helping with that. Uh, but if it'll get quite there, I don't know. I, I mean, people still want to own their cars. Uh, they still want to own their house. Now, you know, maybe with uh, Tesla's new, your car can go pick somebody else up while you're at work thing, we'll get more comfortable with not owning uh, some stuff. But, but I think that, that we'll still always be a little bit lower than they are. Mm, great. Fascinating. Well, for everybody listening, we've been talking to Josh and Tom from Nickel Equipment Rental about the shared economy and how that's affecting their industry. And uh, I want to turn the conversation to, to your business and the uh, amazing growth that you've achieved and you mentioned your team, and we usually use the second half of the show to talk about um, how people build great teams that can achieve being on the Inc. 5000. Certainly. Yeah. So tell us, how did you build a team that could get you on the Inc. 5000? You know, I'm going to say, a start off with a buzzword, which is culture. Culture is really big for us. Yeah, we hear it a lot. But we really, really, really push it hard. We, we're, we're checking in with our employees radically frequently. We're checking in every week, asking them, did you have the opportunity to do something that you're passionate about every single day this week? Did you have the opportunity to add extreme value every day this week? And we're tracking that metric week after week after week and try and get to get somebody to the point where every day they're doing stuff they love and stuff they're really effective at. Um, you know, and then also really figuring out who we are. You know, Dad uh, was able to to create something uh, in an industry and find a niche that it has been really successful for us. But so many companies go out there and they chase the next dollar, they chase that that extra percentage of growth and that kind of thing, and they lose the way of of who they are. And so we sat down before we started really rapidly growing and said, "Who are we?" Let, you know, let's write this down. Let's find ways to reinforce this. And so we wrote down our core values very specifically. And we, we talk about them in a pre-hire packet uh, that somebody would get if they just want an interview. We talk about them in the interview. We talk about them as onboarding. We talk about them in quarterly newsletters. So what are they? Our core values are care, not customer service, but care. We want to genuinely show care for our customer. That means if, if somebody calls us and they say, you know, I want to order pizza, we're going to say, I can help you with that. And we're going to refer them to a pizza place down the street, tell them what our favorite pizza is there and get them the phone number to that place. Uh, we want to authentically care about people. And that includes the people on our team. You know, our people, uh, our managers are given the time that if, you know, somebody, somebody gets in an accident and uh, they're, they're trying to negotiate with insurance, they might not know what diminished value is on a vehicle. And so the manager's empowered to get on the phone with the insurance company and, and, and help the employee manage that. You know, we, we care about the whole employee. Um, we care about their work-life balance and stuff like that. So care, uh, strengths first. Obviously, if you want to be super effective, super engaged, be able to do things that you're passionate about, uh, then you've got to focus on your strengths, what you're, what you're best at. You could, we certainly want to try and limit our weaknesses, but if, if you spent all your time working on the things that you're weak at and trying to get better there, all you're going to be is not bad. You know, not you, and we, if you focus on your strengths, you're going to be exceptional. And so that we, fo we focus on the strengths there. You can't focus on your strengths. You can't truly care about people unless you're empowered. So empowerment is, is one of our core values. And then it's a lot of thought processes. Because you're empowered, because you're trying to use your strengths, we have to have a lot of feedback. So feedback would be number four. And then foundationally, we're a Christian-based company. Um, not everybody who works for us is Christian, and, and we care about them just as much. But that's what influences a lot of where our core values come from. Hmm. Well, you yeah. know, this is it. Go ahead. Yeah, we, we, we modeled the business out after what Chick-fil-A does uh, with Dan and Truett Cathy because it just, you know, it's just, 
it's impressive to see what they do, how they care about their people, how they care about their customers. And it comes out in everything they do. And that's kind of the way we pretty much have tried to build the company. Not like we're not Chick-fil-A, but we try to take a lot of those same values and be involved in the community, give back and things like that. And, and we really enjoy our customers succeeding. I mean, that's what we're in it for, to help them, you know, uh, be successful and that sort of thing. And our people. We want our people to try to be the best they can be, you know, and we'd really encourage them a lot. And a lot of our people do so much more and can do so much more than they ever dreamed they could do. But they just never got that kind of encouragement and that sort of thing. And Josh has really taken that to a whole new level. Yeah, well, I, I'm very curious because I I've, I've fundamentally believe that whatever most, especially high-performing business owners and you know, CEOs call it, there's some underlying faith, something that has them be able to do the things that they do, right? Whatever, mm-hmm. whatever people call it. But what also intrigues me is the extent to which, and, you know, not to put too fine a point on it, but there are a lot of Christians who are hypocrites, you know, just... Absolutely. I, I'm a Christian, so I go to church, you know, just about every week. But, you know, one of the things that doesn't recommend us very well is that there's a lot of say something and then not do something. Right. Yep. And, uh, and that happens in business as well. And so I'm very curious as to how... I'm not as familiar with Twit Kathy's story as I should be, but how do you maintain the authenticity? Because people say a lot of stuff. You know, people just say stuff like, yeah, you should love your neighbor. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and pe- then fire a whole bunch of them, you know? That's right. Or, uh, people are people. Um, individuals make some individual decisions. But, you know, as a company, our first co- core value is care. You know, it's, it's care about the people no matter who they are. There's no, uh, there's no caveats to that. So we always kind of step back and, and say, is this caring about the people? Is this, you know, making a positive impact the people you're interacting with, whether it be vendors or customers or other employees? Um, a good example of that is uh, a couple of years back, we, we used to have a Christmas party. And we actually moved the Christmas party to a different time of the year and changed it to a customer or employee appreciation party. And we did that because we had some employees who couldn't attend it because it was a religious a religious activity. And it's not that we wanted to give up any of the our belief system in it. It's that we care first. We, and, and to not be able to appreciate our people, which is really what the, the, the Christmas party was, was a time to appreciate our people, um, went against that, you know. And, and, and I believe, you know, as a Christian, that, that that was more important to show people that we're different, to show people that we really, truly care. And we couldn't care about those people um, when it was a Christmas party. And so we moved it and we got some pushback on that. You know, we had to really talk through and think through whether that was the best thing to do. And are we giving up a little bit of ourselves to do that? Why not two parties? Yeah, it, well, and we, do, we still do, you know, we have like a, a Christmas devotional that's optional, mm-hmm. um, you know, and some things like that. So we do a little bit of both. And the store could do that. I mean, they're empowered. If they want to have a, a Christmas party and, and get a ham or, you know, whatever, they can still do that. But our big, you know, we're going to appreciate you. We're going to do all this fun, crazy stuff just happens a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the other thing, too, is, is, again, it's pretty much low key. We're trying to run our business in a way that will make people stop and think, wow, they're different. You know, what makes them different? And they start looking at us closer and how we operate. And which is a lot of what Chick-fil-A does. Like, how do they do that? You know, they'll run you through that drive-through and you'll get through there much faster than McDonald's or any place else. Your order will be right. They're professional. They're, you know, they're thanking you. It's my pleasure. They're doing all this stuff. And they seem like they mean it. And they seem like they mean it. 
And that's, again, it goes back to we care. We really genuinely care. We want to try to help make a difference in people's lives, in our community. And hopefully that will translate in how we operate our business. And when they see us, again, I'll give you an example with, with Dan Cathy. He goes uh, to our church uh, and um, he speaks periodically. And we had a dinner that he spoke at. And uh, now he was the speaker at the dinner. Well, they served us the dinner first. So like with Chick-fil-A, they had a buffet set up. And so you went up and you started walking through the buffet uh, and they had the servers there and everything. But then when you got to the end of the buffet, then they had, there were people there that would take you to your table, carry your plate and stuff for you. Dan Cathy himself was behind there with his shirt sleeves rolled up serving, you know, and we do the same thing for our customers. We're not, if you need something, We'll jump in there and help you. You know, if the cement's setting up on you, if we need to get in there and try to get something or get you something fast, we will do that. And they just don't see that much anymore. They don't get that kind of personal care, personal service. So, again, it just looks at, again, what makes us different? And then hopefully that will, you know, spread the good news. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and of course, people hear Christian as frightening, frightening for some people, right? Because that means something, yep. you know? Right. And so how do you keep people from being weirded, weirded out, you know, as soon as they hear the word Christian, like a lot of alarm bells start to, you know, a lot of people get freaked out. I don't know that we try and prevent them from being freaked out about it. It's not something that we try and hide, but uh, but I think they pretty quickly realize that we're not trying to proselytize either or, mm-hmm. or force anything on them. We just are who we are. And it, you know, goes back to how we treat people and what that means. And, and, and again, they don't have to believe what we believe. But it's important that they understand, especially if they're joining the company, where we're coming from. Mm-hmm. You know, th- this is our perspective on it. Not something I'm going to force on you, but where we come from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, 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 and as I said, I think this is fascinating because this, this ability to actually transfer and live and have the values show up as behavior mm-hmm. at, is very much the core of building the culture and also producing the results that that, you know, every CEO listening to the show wants. Yep. And so can you give us, you know, any more examples of how you are successful and and saying, okay, so this is a core value, right? Whether or not it's a Christian value or whatever, mm-hmm. but this is a core value. And, you know, these are the things that we systematically do to have it go from being a concept and something we talk about to something that actually shows up in the behavior of the people that are working at, at Nickel Equipment Rental. Yeah, absolutely. So, it starts, you know, w- when somebody looks for a job at Nickel. You know, it's we, we we don't give them just a application. We give them a whole packet. It almost looks like a sales packet, um, and it talks about you uh, a, a lot of what we believe. Our, it talks about our core values. It talks about what to be prepared for. It talks about that it's hard to get a job here, um, which is a little bit weird in the construction industry because a lot of people, you know, are, are struggling to find mechanics and good people. We're not. We've got a waiting list. You know, so we really want to get a an A player really enthusiastic at the beginning and to know who we are because, you know, you need to be able to jump on board with this and be excited about it. If you're not, you may want to go somewhere else. So it's also meant to kind of terrify people a little bit and be like, ah, th- these guys are too much. This is a, you know, th- they're really talking about this stuff a lot. And so it starts there. And then if they get an interview, you know, we're asking questions like, give me an example of a time that you uh, dealt with a, uh, a customer or a coworker and did something for them they didn't deserve, you know, looking for that core value of care. Uh, tell me about a time where um, you, you know, you got really passionate about something, excited about something. We've got an essay question on our application that says, why do you want to work at Nickel? And I'm looking for things, just simple things like, you know, I grew up working on a farm and I love to fix stuff. 
that you'd make a great mechanic. I don't want people who just want a job. I want people who can be really passionate about the work that they do. And so then they do some uh, a job shadowing. You can't be hired without shadowing somebody in your job for a day. And they're seeing the culture. They're seeing the fit. We're interviewing them again afterwards, and we're interviewing the people they worked alongside. You know, did they fit in? Did they? You know, did you guys have a good relationship? What, you know, how was the day? You know, did you enjoy it? Were you excited? Uh, so then, if they then get a job, um, you know, I'm sitting down at this point with uh, every employee and doing part of the onboarding, going through the core values, and it takes about two hours for me to do that. And now, old rule of thumb is everything breaks when you double or triple in size. So I know that that's going to break and we're going to have to figure out something different like culture ambassadors or something. Uh, but when we do our employee newsletters, there's always a story in there that reflects our core values. It's, it's not necessarily a quote-unquote core value story, but the, the person who's writing it knows we're looking for a story that says something about people using their strengths or uh, really caring about a customer. You know, in, in our last uh, article... Uh, for example, we had a customer come in. He was an elderly gentleman, and he'd lost his wedding ring. He came in and ran into a metal detector to try and find his wedding ring and was really having a lot of trouble with it. He couldn't quite figure out how to work it. And so somebody from our team drove out to his house and helped him search for his wedding ring with the metal detector. Uh, we paid the employee for their hours. They didn't have to ask for approval. you know. And, and for us, that was just a really rewarding thing to hear because we're truly showing care to that customer. We went way above and beyond. We didn't have to do that. It probably wasn't the most profitable thing to do. But I think we have a customer for life in that guy, and he's he find a the raving ring? fan. We did not find the ring, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. And another thing to kind of give an example, too, with our employees, when I talk about uh, we try to encourage them, try to see what they can really do. And it's kind of a little bit of a joke. But basically, uh, we ha- we'll have mechanics. Okay, well, sometimes, you know, we wear a lot of different hats in our stores. We have, on average, probably about 10 to 16 people in the store. And so if we were to ask a mechanic, listen, I need you to come up and work on the counter for a few minutes. You know, such and such is out or whatever the case may be. Well, typically they say, well, no, I can't do that. I'm a mechanic. I I can't do that. And I said, now, let me, if I told you I'd give you a million dollars next time that customer came in the door and they were impressed, do you think you could help them then and impress them? Well, the answer is for a million dollars, you'd become the best salesperson probably at least for the next hour or so that you ever saw. Now, of course, I'm not going to give you a million dollars because we got a job. We couldn't afford that, obviously. But the point is that we can do so much more. We limit ourselves so many in so many things. And to me, sometimes, like some of the sales training seminars and other type of management leadership seminars I've been to in the past, it's being able to give somebody a thought to help look at things from a different perspective, to paint a picture. And when they realize that, like, yeah, I really can do it. Now, the decision is, do I want to do it? Or do I want to get resourceful enough to get it, do it? And, and so that really, I think, helps turn the light switch on for a lot of people and what they can do. Mm, awesome. Well, gentlemen, thank you so much. This has been very, very enlightening. You know, I love talking about the faith thing. So as we close the show, I would love if you would share with our listeners anything that's that new that's happening at Nickel Equipment um, that you think that they should know about. Any other stores opening? Any other awards? <laughs> I don't know about any other awards, but um, we did open a new location down in LaGrange uh, about six weeks ago now. Uh, so we're excited to be in that community um, and, and serving the people there. Um, you know, but uh, the biggest thing for us is, is we love helping with projects. You know, our, our slogan is idea solution done because we really, if we're doing things right, we want customers to feel comfortable calling us with an idea, not a, I need a narrator. I need a tiller. I want them to call and say, 
you know, I'd like to start an organic gardener. I want to raise some chickens or put in fruit trees or level out an area for a trampoline. And just call us and ask us those questions. And so if you have a, a project, we don't have to rent equipment. If you've got a project you want to you want to do, we'll tell you how to do it, whether you rent equipment or not. Great. Well, yeah. thanks for an awesome show. Listeners, we've been talking to uh, Josh and Tom Nickel from Nickel Equipment Rental um, on the Inc. 5000 list. Uh, congratulations again about uh, how the shared economy, technology, and culture is affecting their business and their industry. Thanks for a great show, gentlemen. And uh, you've been listening to CEO Exclusive. I'm your host, Soini Koch. I hope you have a profitable, productive, and very prosperous week. Thanks. This show is brought to you by Anona Enterprises, where strategy is your access to money and performance. Learn more at anonaenterprises.com.